In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the spin. To get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a good Monday to you. T.C. Martin live and in color. Here we go. And on Monday as we recap a very, very busy sports weekend. Ballpark Frank by my side. Nunchuck on the other side of the proverbial glass. Action-packed show today. Special guest in the house here today, too. We're representing not only local here, UNLV. We're representing Sacktown as well, too. So, doubly special for me. Nia Johnson is in the house. UNLV Lady Rebel Hoopster. She's hanging out today. Wearing her red. Her scarlet and gray, I guess you might want to say, right? No, Scarlet and Gray? Yeah, that's it. Not your Scarlet and Gray that you're talking about. Well, it's not the real Scarlet and Gray of Ohio State, but it's UNLV Scarlet and Gray, yeah. Wow. All right. Mia, welcome aboard. What's going on? You you lady rebel you? Hi. All right. So so Mia is in the house hanging out today. Uh, A hoopster, UNLV, communications girl, hanging out. I'm going to put you to work. What do you think about that? I'm ready for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've talked to your coach a couple times too, Lindy yeah. LaRock. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that um, interview. You, I, it you, was real nice. You did, huh? Yeah. You got a shout out that day too. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your and your dad got a shout out too, back in sack. Yeah. Who's a former hoopster himself? Yes, he is. So there we go. All right. So uh, send out a little love. For my Sacktown girl, UNLV running rebel, Nia Johnson in the house hanging out with us today. And you're on break right now. You guys have been working out in the spring, but now you got a little downtime, right? Yeah, we had some downtime. I got some months off, but I'm still going to be working, obviously. But Working on your game, right? Working on my game and, you know, well, coming here, well, learning, experience. So, All right, there it is. A junior for the UNLV Lady Rebels who had a very good season this year. Next season, bigger and uh, better things happening? Bigger and better things. I'm really excited for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, accomplished a lot this season, but I want to do even more. All right. What was the most challenging thing this last season with the pandemic and everything else going on and all the craziness, games getting canceled, and all of a sudden you guys are playing Stanford out of nowhere in a game? And, you know, so uh, you certainly saw the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just the fear of not knowing was pretty much the most the scariest part for me and my teammates and my coaches but um we tried to maintain our bubble and we did a good job at it all right here we go and uh looking forward to another successful season for the uh, lady rebels that uh, come up next year so all right and uh yeah i know you got some aspirations to uh play professionally too when you're done at unlv don't you i do mm-hmm. um it's always been a dream of mine since i was a little girl so all right well you're gonna enjoy today's show because on the show we've got one of our favorite aces players dierica hamby the not one time but the two-time reigning sixth woman of the year she will be joining us today as the aces are in the midst of training camp something you know uh something about as well and uh, aces are two weeks away from uh, the opener they had a scrimmage yesterday at the mandalay bay that was closed to everybody and they played the la sparks we'll talk to d erica hamby as i like to call her the d energizer uh <laughs> so she will join us today as we talk a little WNBA. we talk about the aces and uh so hang tight for that you'll enjoy that thank you all right and, and you might want to take a mental note of this interview too tc mm-hmm. because you know 10, 15 years down the road, you might be reminding everybody that the first time you interviewed her when she's going into the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame was here on the show. There you go. Very on, nice. On Trey DeMille. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Trey DeMille. <laughs> the 3rd of May. There you go. Man, so look, at, look at all these lofty expectations that we're putting on you already, right? Man, it's I'm, I'm built for it. You're, so. you're built for the pressure, right? I'm built for it. What, what's, your, what's your free throw percentage at the line there? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was like 35, 45. I said free throw percentage. I'm not, I'm not talking about from three. I'm talking oh, about I free think, throw. Um, free throw. 
Yeah, 35, that's not even shackalicious. I was going to say. (laughs) I thought you meant like overall. (laughs) We're not talking beyond the arc. We're talking about that 15-foot stripe where, you know, clutch. It's only you in the bucket. I mean, that's Um, pressure. Pressure free throws. You're you're a 70, 80% shooter at least, right? Yeah, I would say. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I had to shoot a lot of those during the season. You do? (laughs) Yeah. You like to mix it up a little bit, huh? Yeah. Okay. See? Feisty one. I like that. All right. So a lot to hit on uh, today. We will recap... uh, the most exciting two minutes in sports as well, too, the Kentucky Derby. Marco D'Angelo will join us. Uh, as you know, we had our Derby show at the Cosmopolitan on Friday with a double B. Marco, myself, Frank, uh, I know you watched it. We all watched it. It was, it was very exciting, but not the outcome that we thought that we might have. We had a little bit of a long shot, a 12-1 to shot. Uh, that came in and took care of business. Well, it wasn't the outcome that I thought uh, we'd have because right. it wasn't the start to the race that I thought we'd have. <laughs> what happened to Rock Rock Your World? Rock Your, rock your World next was, to last. I mean, you know, at the first call when you're behind 10 and you're supposed yeah. to be leading the pack, yeah. everything changed. The lone speed horse had no speed. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It you was know? And, crazy. and at that point, the one horse that couldn't pass him the last time they hooked up, well, he didn't have to pass him. And, you know, gutsy little winner that, uh, you know, the winning horse, never been passed down the stretch yeah. in its history. I know. Medina Spirit. I mean, nearly a, a wire-to-wire victory, which usually Sounds don't like see. Sounds like Conor McGregor's new vodka or something. Yeah. But uh. Med- Medina Spirit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll set that for $680 million too, so be careful. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk uh, Kentucky Derby. Marco D'Angelo, our featured handicapper, he will join us the next hour, and we'll dive into that. But let's start talking about the NFL draft. Obviously, we talked about that on Friday. Uh, on Thursday, round uh, number one took place. And then, of course, rounds two and three on Friday, and then four through seven took place on Saturday. So all the picks are in. So now what happens? Uh, the speculation begins now as well, too. So who addressed their needs? Which rookie quarterbacks will start immediately? Uh, we'll dive into that. Uh, the 49ers, we talked about them really starting the draft at number three, picking a quarterback. We talked about the Bears. Uh, moving up from 20 to 11 to get their quarterback. Mac Jones falls in the lap of the New England Patriots at 15. What, six Alabama players selected in the first round. The Raiders possibly reached with their 17th pick. With their Alabama pick. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, we've got Aaron Rodgers news. We've got all kinds of stuff to, to hit today on the NFL draft. So let's just uh, chop them down one by one here and uh, let the speculation you know, begin. In, in starting with, with San Francisco. So they picked Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. Now, if you remember what Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, said last week, he said he uh, wasn't tipping his hand whatsoever if Garoppolo was still going to be on the roster, come after the draft, who he was going to select, whether it was going to be Justin Fields out of Ohio State, whether it was going to be Trey Lance, or a lot of people thought it would be Mac Jones out out of Alabama. And I would say the Niners pretty much shocked everybody. They took Trey Lance. And now we hear Kyle Shanahan basically say today that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still here and probably going to be here. And now he thinks it's a wise move for Trey Lance to learn under Jimmy G which we were all saying before. But uh, funny today that we had um, Kyle Shanahan got plenty of phone calls today from some of the San Francisco 49er players as they said that uh, several players reached out to him today and says, hey, coach, we're still alive. From, from his asinine comment that he mentioned you know, last week. Well, it wasn't asinine. He was just stating the facts. He couldn't guarantee that the world would still exist. Right. When the draft happened. Right. So, you know, now the draft has happened and the world does still exist. So, yeah, everybody's still alive. They took Trey Lance. Remember before that, be- before we knew that Trevor Lawrence and for sure that Wilson were going to be the first two picks, although everybody knew it without knowing it, what did they say? Well, there's five quarterbacks and we'd be happy with any one of them. So he basically made it seem like it doesn't matter who we draft because we're going to get a good quarterback period. So, yeah, I mean, to say they weren't tipping their hand, well, they really didn't. But at the same time they did, they... It, it kind of sounded to me like, well, yeah, there's five quarterbacks. Yeah, they're all maybe NFL quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, but we don't even know if the world's going to be around anymore. So so we'll see what happens on Thursday when the draft takes place. Yeah. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, so that goes for all of us. 
Yeah. So there. By is. the way, that also shows that he really didn't know what he was talking about because the, the, the quarterback draft, that part of the draft started on Thursday. Right. So Sunday actually didn't even matter. It was Thursday whether or not they were going to draft him. He was already drafted by, by Sunday. Right, but I think the point, the reporter asked him the Sunday part. The reporter says, well, will Jimmy Garoppolo still be on uh, oh, the on roster on after, Sunday? After the after draft the is dra- all done. Like, yeah. will they be trading him this, yeah, that, or the that, other? That, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, not necessarily are you drafting a quarterback, but will right. Jimmy G still right. be here? So, yeah, definitely that is the breaking news. As several players called Kyle Shanahan today and said, hey, coach, uh, we're still alive. It's like we were, and actually, they referred to Sunday. They said we were still alive on Sunday. It's like Shanahan hears a who or something, huh? We are here. We are here. We're still around. (laughs) Craziness. All right. So, you know, when you look at right now, which quarterbacks are going to be immediate starters? Anytime you have this many quarterbacks selected in the in the first round, you wonder, okay, how many of these guys are actually going to start? How many of these guys are going to bide their time? And when you go back in the history of the draft, it's a pretty good trivia question here. Of all the quarterbacks selected going back to 2003, there's only one quarterback of the top three picks for quarterbacks that uh, sat out an entire season and did not play a down. You know who that was? Nope. Any guesses? It was in 2003. Carson Palmer. Do I got to phrase that in the form of a question? Who is Carson Palmer? Oh, I won. Thank you very much. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Carson Palmer, 2003, drafted out of USC, was the only guy that was selected in the top three picks that sat out an entire season. So who is going to be the starters out of this class? For me, I think it's – there's two. Well, now, I, when you I say the starters, you mean two. starters game one of game the season or sometime one. during the season? Game one. Because ideally, game I one. think it should be zero. It'd be great to see all of them get a little bit of time. I agree. Learning from somebody, holding a clipboard, learning the game of the NFL. But we know that owners with the money they're paying and everything else, that they're kind of on the fast track to throw these guys in and see what happens. So I think, without a doubt, it's going to be two, and it's going to be the top two picks. It's Trevor be Lawrence Tre- or Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think it's Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to start day one. For the Jaguars, because, what, you're going to go to Gardner Minshew? I mean, I mean he was the flavor... Of the month there, you know, about 12 months ago. And then that didn't uh, go so well. He was Florida's Flava Flav? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it it was bad as it went on. Exactly. Must have been sitting in the sun too long. I don't know. And then uh, the second pick, because the Jets got rid of Sam Darnold, it's going to be Zach Wilson. Well, they kind of painted themselves into a corner. They did. I I think both teams did. So I don't don't think it's going to be Justin Fields. I know people... With the Bears are thinking, and they'd like to see Justin Fields. Hey, we, we selected him high, so we we moved up to get him at number eleven. So he's going to do it. But I think opening day will be Andy Dalton. Well, I think it will be too. I think they paid Andy Dalton all that money. Yeah. I think they think he's a veteran quarterback. And I don't know what their aspirations are this year. You know, I'm a Bears fan. I don't see them being a playoff team or somebody that can contend for the Super Bowl. So why not get Fields a little bit of time behind a veteran guy, get some better pieces in there. I hope he doesn't start in game one. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd like to see him play some this year, but they don't need to rush him in right away. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of the Bears, too, I was just reading today, maybe it's a good thing that they did move up to get him where they got him. Because apparently the Minnesota Vikings were also trying to move up in the draft to get Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, well, that's another story when you talk about the Vikings. So Kirk Cousins, not real happy today because I don't think he got that word. But Robert Griffin III, who was doing some analysis work, uh, came out and really just started trashing Kirk Cousins. Wouldn't even call him by his name, just said number eight. And he's sitting there talking about how uh, immature to not even say a quarterback's name and just say his number. Sounds like somebody else I know who's who's sitting right beside me here. Just will not say a certain Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm not talking about Nia, of course. Well, she's sitting right beside you. Well, what quarterback don't you like, Nia? Who who, who you got against something? Uh, (laughs) Not talking about Nia. All right, Nomchuk. Want to ask Frank who is? Whose favorite quarterback? Uh, Who's least favorite quarterback of all time? Is the it, most overrated player in all of sports? Yeah. The one guy that I absolutely can't stand that can't even spell his own name. That'd be number four from the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, who you never met before. Okay, so how can you not stand somebody you've never met before? I never met Adolf Hitler. I can't stand him. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wow, he went Brett Favre and Adolf Hitler. That's it. I'm just saying, you don't have to know somebody to not like them. What am I going to do if I get Brett on the show one day? Are you just calling off sick that day? 
I'll talk to him if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll schedule Brent with Frank. We'll schedule a Frank off day. You know, it's like one of those pitchers. Like, yeah, hey, you, you're gonna need the off I'll, day. I'll tell him why you wore number four. Yeah. No, we we, we, we don't go there. <laughs> Frank has a theory about that. But you, you you go. No, don't don't say it. Don't say it. Just I don't want to hear that. Just I've heard two uh, big piles of number two. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't need that visual. You know, I definitely didn't. You need were that. teasing the audience so much, I had to let them know. Okay. So, Robert Griffin III, you got him? RG3. Listen to RG3 here. RG3 is suddenly busy all of a sudden. Kellen (laughs) Mond, Robert, what do we think of the player here? And then going to a situation where in training camp, he's going to look more physically impressive than the starter that's standing there at Kirk Cousins. What do we think about the spot for Kellen too? Uh, Yeah, I can tell you right now, number eight in Minnesota is probably not real happy right now. Uh, because Kellamon represents exactly what he doesn't do well, right? Kellamon's the, the big physical quarterback. He can run it, throw it all over the field. Um, and I don't think that that's something that number eight is able to do uh, in Cousins in Minnesota. Um, but I think that's what the coaching staff and the administration is, is looking for. Should I say the organization is looking for. Uh, Mund had a lot of inconsistencies in, in his game. And the biggest thing uh, last year was, like, uh, like Connor talked about, he actually improved drastically. But some NFL evaluation looking over the course of all the years of his starts at Texas A&M, they're still a little skeptical about him. But I, I would tell you this, with great determination and great coaching, I think this is a guy that could be a real riser uh, over the course of his career. And as you see, you know, uh, Cousins has been collecting checks there in Minnesota for a long time, taking them to eight and eight and nine and seven seasons. Uh, if, if, if he has a bad start to the year uh, like he did last year, I could see the fans and maybe the organization leaning towards Mund if he comes in and impresses. Robert Griffin III, now turning analyst, didn't want to start calling him by his name, saying number eight, what he doesn't do well. Kellen Mon from Texas checks A&M. He checks apparently. Yeah, then throwing out, you know, oh, he's collecting checks. Yeah, well, $84 million in checks, by the way, too. Cash and checks. Sounds like somebody's wow. envious because they haven't been getting those checks wow. to be a quarterback on a, le- a losing team. Yeah, well, he was a quarterback on a couple losing teams, RG3 was. Right, and, and, and he's not getting the checks anymore, yeah. so now he's <laughs> right. angry about it. Right. I'm guessing they're not exchanging holiday cards this year. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins obviously did not see that coming, and you almost have a Aaron Rodgers type of situation. We'll get into Rodgers here in a minute again, but the same type of thing. Wow, getting a little hurt because they selected a quarterback who's going to be your heir apparent. And this is what teams do. I mean, they are going to select people to back you up or eventually be your heir apparent. And guess what? They don't need to get permission from the player to do that. Isn't the draft supposed to try to set you up for the future That's, and make you better and yeah. give you depth? Yeah. Don't, are you the, crazy? Am I wrong? Don't quarterbacks sometimes get injured and a backup quarterback can be a very important piece of success? Seems pretty logical, doesn't it? I mean, w- when did getting somebody to compete with and pushing you become a bad thing? Well, It's like, oh, I don't want to have to fight for my job. I'm taking my ball, and I'm going to deflate it and go home. Well, you had to throw the <laughs> deflate in there. There you go. The dollar sign is put in there, and then you got the big E for the ego in there as well, too. So with those two elements, yeah, th- these quarterbacks, these franchise quarterbacks do feel that they should be consulted Come draft time. And this is why we are where we're at with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers right now. All right? And in that situation, you've got all that talk that happened last week. And I said, slow your roll down. Everyone thought there was going to be a draft day trade. I said, slow your roll. Well, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers, came out over the weekend and said, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. So is Rodgers in Green Bay now in jeopardy? Yeah. <laughs> You're just on a roll today, aren't you? You're just on a roll today. Can you phrase that in a, in, in a question, please? Actually, you just did, didn't you? Exactly. Uh, uh, who is my current least favorite quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. Well, you and I agree on that one. There you go. There you go. Hey, breaking news. Frank and TC agree on something. The Green Bay Packers have two quarterbacks on their roster, and only one is happy right now. It's not Aaron Rodgers, but Jordan Love. Do we know for sure that Jordan Love is happy? Yeah. I mean, he he is living in Green Bay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, part-time in the offseason. Don't be bagging on Green Bay. I put 12 years in there. Sounds like a prison. I put 12 years in there, doesn't it? (laughs) Then you finally got up for bad behavior. (laughs) Got released to Las Vegas. (laughs) I don't know. You'd rather be in Green Bay or Bakersfield. I don't know. 
<laughs> no comment there. Anyway, uh, inside joke. And so where Nia came from. Yeah, there you go. Before UNLV, she did time. I mean, she went to she uh, Bakersfield. So, there you go. Bakersfield <laughs> Correctional Facility. <laughs> you said that. I didn't. There it is. Put the hoop against the yeah. wall that you're going to try to jump over later. <laughs> but the Packers are in this situation, okay, because of Aaron Rodgers being vocal, because he's hurt. It's really Aww. not because of the money. He's making $33 million, and yes. And at least he wins. Yes. Unlike Kirk Cousins, yes. number eight. Yes. At least number 12 wins. And if you are the Green Bay Packers. Until the playoffs. You are not going to succumb to his threat. You're not going to do it. You've got your quarterback right now who's still under contract for a couple more seasons. All right. If you want to renegotiate the deal, okay, renegotiate the deal. That's fine. But the bottom line is even if they don't right now, Aaron Rodgers making a nice Healthy salary. Yes, understand he's going to be a little hurt because the Packers drafted a mediocre quarterback out of Utah State who has no business even probably starting an NFL game. And he probably won't as long as Rodgers there. As long as Rodgers you know, doesn't take his ball and go home and, and threaten to do that. But the no, Packers... He, he won't. He'll, he'll fake like yeah. he's got an injury or something like that, and then he'll limp back to yeah. the huddle, and then he'll scramble for 35 yeah. yards like he always does. Yeah. And then they'll go, oh, Aaron Rodgers, what a warrior. Look at him go. He's so wonderful. Yeah. Sounds like a soccer player, you know? Down goes the soccer player. By, by oh, the way, okay. does yeah. he remember that he was that guy? Yes. Behind number four originally? For three he years. was the quarterback that was drafted yeah. that made the superstar starter ticked off at that point? Wow. Sometimes things go full circle in life, don't they? Hey. <laughs> You've heard me talk about it for years about how this guy, he marches to a beat of a different drum. And, again, not surprising whatsoever. But the Packers hold all the cards here. They're not going to trade him. They have no reason to trade him. You're not going to get the value that you want. So it's really going to be incumbent upon Rodgers to show up at training camp and kind of do what he did last year, just be the good soldier, be silent, be quiet, and look what he did. Oh, well, he's not going to be silent. You know? But he likes people looking at him. He likes he people does. talking about him. He likes the three-ring circus, and he's the ringmaster. And, well, he was, and people are talking about him. Yeah. That's what he wants. He was he silent wants for to a good portion about. of this last year. Why? Because he was upset last year, and he said, okay, I'm going to go about my business, whether that was fuel the fire to motivate him or whatever, but... He is the regular season MVP last year. They went to another NFC he was championship game. last season. He, was, he had his best season, no doubt about it. Okay? and But the bottom line is if he wants to play, he's not going to play anywhere else. He's either going to have to sit out or he's going to you know, wear that, that green and gold again next year because the green Packers yellow. are that not gold. going to. To trade him. That is not gold. It's yellow. It is more of a yellow. More of a hot dog mustard. And by the way, I dare Aaron Rodgers to follow through and retire like you say you're going to. I dare you to, Aaron Rodgers. Step aside, retire. Show us all that you can do whatever you want to. Oh, and I'd love to see him not on the field. Are you crazy? It would take for him to literally (laughs) write the Packers a check. To actually physically write out a $20 million check to the Green Bay Packers and say, please trade me. Get me out of here. I can't see him doing that because that's what Pay it would cost that him. Pay me and his money. Yeah. Maybe they, Not gonna happen. maybe they can trade him for Kirk Cousins and they'll both be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I heard the Kirk Cousins story, I mean, story, number going, four Whoa. went to Minnesota for a little while. He did. He did. Oh, well. And actually, I enjoyed that. When I didn't care. I enjoyed one game. Yeah. I, I, you're, 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 Mr. Bounty Gate over there. You're terrible. You're terrible. Yeah. But same type of thing. The Packers said, we're not going to trade you, you know, within the division, within the NFC. No. We'll trade you the Jets. Oh, go ahead and retire? Uh, no, they got no choice. Come to Minnesota, try to stick it to him. And he did stick it to him twice that year. So there you go. Yeah. Being at the, those games, too, is pretty fun, I got to admit. Because, you know, I was, I was a big Brett guy. I like Brett. I kind of did root for Minnesota in those games just because they were playing the Packers. Yeah. It's like one person <laughs> I hate or a whole team of them. I yeah. guess I'll go for the one. <laughs> yeah, pretty enjoyable. All right. Yeah. So but then Bounty Gate, the most enjoyable of all. 
The Raiders select Alex, Alex Leatherwood out of uh, Alabama. We talked about that on Friday uh, on a lot of people's boards. This guy was the 10th-ranked offensive tackle, and the Raiders did address defense on their, on their final uh, uh, two days of the draft. And, and remember what TC just said. He wasn't the 10th-ranked player. Right. He was the 10th-ranked at his position. Yes. And Mike Mayock <laughs> says, I'm going to select you 17th overall. We so, know more than yeah. anybody. So Mike Mayock talked a lot about the draft and what he was hoping to do. And he says, hey, you know, I, I'm going to go after defense because I think it's a real deep draft, especially in those middle to later rounds. And we're going to stockpile that. He goes, I knew that we were going to get a lot of controversy with this pick because we turned on the TV and we, we heard the media and everybody saying, oh, you could have got this guy maybe in round two or three. And, you know, yeah, you could have probably had him in round two. There's no question you could have had him, you know, the 46th pick. But they selected him because – they wanted him. He said, everybody in, in our room was on board with this guy, so we decided to go with him. So they did ad- address defense, and they got a safety out of TCU that he was actually kind of shocked that he slid, so they're happy with that. Ironically, some people thought he was going to be their first-round pick. He could So they been. got the yeah. safety that some people yeah. thought they might take in the first round with the second-round pick. So mm-hmm. in a weird kind of way, it worked out for him. Yeah. They just probably flip-flopped where they should have been taken, and they did have to trade to move up to get him at 43. Yeah, yeah. So, but Mike Mayock spent the the time talking about the protocols and everything. And here's his quote: He goes talking about uh, the the rookies that he drafted. He goes, "We all want to get these rookies in the building. We're allowed 20 people at rookie minicamp. I mean, it's still frustrating. We still can't meet in person. You know, we can meet." and have hundreds and thousands of people in Cleveland for the draft. But for some reason, we can't meet our players in person in these buildings. Let's get on the field, see what these kids can bring to the table, and we'll go from there. So a little shot at the NFL there saying, hey, you know, everything is Zoom. We haven't been able to sit down at the Combine because there was no Combine to interview these players, to to get a chance to know them. Everything has been by Zoom, and it, in a lot of these players still haven't even gotten to town yet. But you can have, what, 50,000 people at the draft. All vaccinated, though. Oh, yeah. They made sure to mention that 46,000 times during the draft. <laughs> well, the players in the green room, those guys were vaccinated. But what about the people that were actually in the no, outside? They, they, they too, said right? that they were vaccinated. The people yeah. in the building were vaccinated. They mentioned that time after time after time mm-hmm. after time. Wow. So Mike Mayock taking a, a little shot there at the NFL with that. But, uh, well, should have we'll taken his vaccination shot. Then he'd go. be fine. <laughs> then he can meet with people. <laughs> D. Erica Hamby is going to join us when we come back as we talk aces. It, the season is right around the corner. Aces had a scrimmage. We'll dive into that, uh, what took place yesterday. And their uh, one and only exhibition game will take place in L.A. next weekend. Season opener two weeks away. And we can hardly wait for the Aces to get back here to the Mandalay Bay where the fans will be allowed to come back in the building. We'll dive into the Aces next. Hi, this is Bill Beer, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Check this out. All right, WNBA season right around the corner. Looking forward to that. Media day today. Oh, yeah, with the Las Vegas Aces. Getting all glammed up, photo shoots, all that's happening right now. And uh, I believe that we just pulled De-Energizer out of uh, a photo shoot. We'll have to hear about this. So, Entering her seventh WNBA season, the two-time WNBA Sixth Woman of the Year, Las Vegas Aces' De-Erica Hamby. What is going on, De-Energizer? What's up, TC? How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, so tell us what we have pulled you in the – what were you in the middle of doing today? Yeah, we're doing media day. I'm, I'm finishing up, but uh, doing some encore intro video stuff. Uh, you know, we always usually have one of the best videos, so mm-hmm. excited to showcase that. And I'm tired right now, but we're going to push through. <laughs> All right. We, we're striking a pretty uh, fierce pose. You know, we, you know we're going to see some of that uh, yeah, on the big Jumbotron. Too. Yeah. Right, right, right. You got your did you have your game face on during this video shoot? Did you yeah. have, did you have your, like, game face? Just straight game face. <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh training camp underway. You've been through this routine uh a few times in your career mm-hmm. and of course the last couple seasons here in Las Vegas. Give me some early thoughts of this training camp. I know totally different than last year. When right. the season was halted and you guys had to go in the bubble or the wobble, as we call it, in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. But now you're back here in Vegas, but still 
much different than it was two years ago. Give us uh, your thoughts about this year's training camp. Yeah, we've got a, a really, really, really talented team, you know, 1 through 11. Um, so trying to figure out what combinations work, who plays well together. Um, there's a lot of different things we can do with this team. So excited to see what Bill comes up with and what we look like. All right. You guys had a scrimmage yesterday against the L.A. Sparks. Uh, it was closed to everybody uh, in, incognito. So um, mm-hmm. what was your biggest takeaway from the scrimmage yesterday? Uh, that we got some work to do. <laughs> uh, it's just preseason, though. You know, it's kind of just getting a feel for everything, learning the system for the younger players and, you know, getting KP back involved and getting Liz involved. Um, but like I said, we, we have a really talented roster. Uh, so I'm not. I'm really hopeful that it'll all come together a few games in, and we're gonna look good. So how did you feel yesterday on the court? I mean, really, first time back against competition, and I know that right. you guys haven't had you know everybody there. A lot of times, it's it's hard to to get the five on five scrimmaging in. And then all of a sudden, okay, we're gonna mm-hmm. bring in, we're gonna bring in another team, another veteran team coming in here. I mean, how was that for you? How do you feel that you performed and the team performed? Uh, I think conditioning wasn't as bad as people were kind of expecting. We survived the game. Uh, everybody kind of played double-digit minutes, so kind of getting a feel for that. Uh, it was an opportunity for the younger players and rookies to kind of showcase what they can do and try to make the team and just kind of, I guess, refresh your memories, you'd say, uh, with our offenses. And for me personally, just like refresh being back on a basketball court playing five on five, you know, like I didn't, obviously I got hurt in the season last year and I didn't go overseas. So training camp has been my first time really playing basketball since. Um, so yeah, just getting the field back, getting my timing back. And yeah. You know, that injury, as we know, was pretty treacherous for you and it was, it was a blow to the team. You guys still, again, you know, made it to the finals. Um, how are you recovering, and how did that off season go for you? Uh, I just rested, honestly. It's been the first time in my career since, you know, kind of playing in college that I've been able to kind of take a break and really relax, so to say, and enjoy an off season. just because of the way our schedules work. We usually plan overseas right after WBA season. So uh, just enjoying spending time with Amaya and spending time with my family. Um, so I didn't focus too much on basketball and my injury until we got closer to game time, which is now, but then need surgery. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And I feel good. doesn't bother me. I almost forget it happens sometimes. That's, that's a good thing to do. I'm sure Kelsey Plum feels the same way. You want to put those injuries behind <laughs> you in the rear view mirror and not even think about yeah. that. All right, Derricka Hamby joins us, the two-time sixth woman of the year of the Las Vegas Aces, T.C. Martin, along with Ballpark Frank here on this Monday. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations on this team going all the way to the finals last year. But when you look at it on paper, anyhow, you guys are an even better club, you know, with you mm-hmm. coming back, with some of the other pieces falling in place. What do you think of expectations? Because I know your coach, Bill Lambeer, is not crazy when people bring him up, but the right. reality is a lot of people have you as the favorite or co-favorite to win the yeah. whole thing. I mean, like you said, roster-wise, there's no reason why we shouldn't be competing and winning a championship. But like Bill says to us, you know, we haven't proved anything and we haven't won anything. So that like we have to come up and we have to still show up every game and play our best and give our best because everybody's going to do that to us and you know we're gonna have a target on our back um so yeah we're gonna have to show up you know you guys actually have turned into a pretty veteran laden team with lots of experience and i know the first couple seasons you know here in las vegas bill saying hey you know we're young we're young we might be talented but now you guys have gained experience you know with mm-hmm. asia now you know mar- marching in you know coming to her, her fourth year here then You've got other pieces that you've added, other veterans as well, too. When you look at this roster makeup, when it's all said and done by opening day, uh-huh. with a roster of 12, you could have four or five new players here. Uh, talk a little bit about the new pieces and, and what it's going to take for you guys all to gel. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea Gray is a proven veteran uh, point guard with experience. I think she's a champ. Chelsea Gray's a champion, right? I think so. Yeah, Chelsea Gray's a champion. So, you know, having that experience and um, just a different dynamic point guard for us that we haven't been used to playing with. 
And then you got Raquana Williams who can fight out, give you 30 points in like 20 minutes. So she's going to be a threat and going to really help elevate our offense and allow you know spacing for Asia and Liz to do what they need to do. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, people are still – <laughs> <laughs> angels in the background. I was gonna say, who's but, trying uh, to chime in? Angels trying to chime in. That's okay. Yeah, angels trying to chime nope. in. Um, <laughs> and then you got with two open roster spots that you know you have people that are really competing for uh, all the training camp players. Like they look good, and so they're competing for those two last spots. So I'm not sure what that'll look like, but whoever he decides to keep and to make the team, they're they're going to be good and they're going to help our team. And you talk about Angel there. I mean, people still in Las Vegas still haven't got a chance to see her or really right. meet her because she came to the team last year and you guys were in Florida. Mm-hmm. Liz took off last year as well, too. So mm-hmm. when this team reconvenes in front of fans back at Mandalay Bay, it will look a, much different than it was two years ago. Yeah, it's going to look a lot different. Um, I think even for us, we're trying to figure that out ourselves and the coaching staff is trying to figure that out. But I'm confident that if everybody comes and plays hard, that this team is undeniably the best team in the league uh, roster-wise. So just got to show up and prove that night in and night out. You know, TC mentioned the fact that you guys are going to look a little bit different. Well, the season's going to look a little bit different, too. How excited mm-hmm. are you to be in front of fans again at Mandalay Bay? I'm excited just to not be in the bubble, to be honest with you. Uh <laughs> You know, just being able to play basketball, and I know we still have our rules and kind of protocols and stuff going forward, but just to be able to sleep in your bed at night is going to be much more beneficial. And, you know, being able to come home and see your families and, you know, see your friends. So I think everybody's looking forward to that. And then as far as the fans, it's like I know Vegas is open. I'm not sure what that's going to look like for other teams around the league, but we have one of the best fan bases in the uh, league, so having them back and supporting us is, is definitely going to help. No doubt about it. Hamby joins us, Las Vegas Aces. You mentioned Chelsea Gray. She is a fantastic player, and you know her pretty well. You guys actually came in the league together at the same time, and you actually played against her in college, both of you guys <laughs> from the ACC. But here's the problem. Uh-huh. I mean, you went to Wake Forest. Are you cool with playing with a girl from Duke? I, I mean, what do you think about that? I don't know if that, that's yeah, kosher no, I, or not. Verquana, too. I played against yeah, her in college, I think, for a season. Uh, Chelsea for a few seasons. So um, they were on the better teams. And I really do remember competing uh, against them. And that doesn't bother me. You know, we're all <laughs> we're all here now at this level. And it's exciting. Yeah, see, it's not like you're, you're... – your head coach there, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll hold some grudges against players that he played against or, you know, in college or in the NBA, you know, so, I mean, right. you know. No, but. we're, this is more like, you no, know, a lot of girls in the league are close, so we don't tend to, to do that, those kind of things. We just, we enjoy each other because there's not many of us. But did you really hate Duke when you were at Wake? Did you? Did no, you, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a player that hates players and teams. <laughs> right. Right. See, no need no, for that. No, I just yeah, compete. You hear that, Frank? No need for that. No need, no need to hate <laughs> on those other teams. Yeah, you do you. I'll do me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, when, when it comes to that and, like, when the women's tournament's coming up and that sort of stuff, is there a little bit of friendly rivalry with some of you guys with, like, oh, you know, well, you went to South Carolina, I went here, I went to Wake U. Uh, is there a little bit of that where there's, like, you know, maybe even a little bit of, like, a, a, a dinner or, a, you know, a, a have you know you, you buy the first round or something like that if, if my team um, beats yours? Maybe with the younger girls, it's more of like, oh, you went to school here, I went to school there. But I feel like as you kind of get older, you do create rivalries within, like, the league, but you also create friendships. And, um, you know, like, I enjoy, for instance, I always use Diamond as an example. Like, we play each other, then we go out to eat after if if it suits it. So um, it's going to be cool to maybe – I mean, we probably won't be able to do those things as much. But, Yeah. All right, Derek, uh, speaking of college, uh, we've got a special guest uh, sitting next to me here uh, today, uh, UNLV running rebel Nia Johnson. She's a junior at UNLV, and, of course, she, okay. has, asp- she has aspirations uh, to one day be in the league as well, too. Nia, oh. you want to ask Derek a, a question? Yeah. Um, hi, Nia. Hi. <laughs> um, how was your transition from college to the professional world? Because, like he said, I do have aspirations. 
um, mm-hmm. to be where you're at. So, um, the transition, uh, it's different. You know, the game is a lot like you're playing against women growing. Like there's women that are in this league that are close to 40 years old and, you know, they're just much stronger. The game's much faster. Like you have to be a step ahead, um, mm-hmm. versus, you know, in college, it's kind of like, not that you coast, but it's like it's like a like a level, I guess, so to say. And then once you reach the pros, it's like that level has to be elevated, mm-hmm. and you have to match it, or you won't be on a team. You know, there's there's only 144 openings in this league in general. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, every every little thing matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the the biggest things that impresses not only me but anybody who who's known you or watches you on a regular basis is you are one of those i don't want to say rare because there are other ones besides Mm -hmm. you that have to balance motherhood and a professional Mm -hmm. basketball career what are the biggest challenges you know for you as uh you know maya gets older now and that sort of thing and uh at least you're not going to be in the bubble you're going to be back home but uh right with training camp and the beginning of the season talk about some of those challenges that you got to deal with uh so right now the challenge is dropping her off at school and picking her back up and uh, i'm kind of have a system right now where like i drop her off before i had to practice and my sister picks her up and then it's challenging too i come home and like she's home and she wants to she wants to play play play, and like right now I'm I'm exhausted and so I know I'm gonna have to go home and I gotta make a decision you know like I gotta give my attention to my daughter or I gotta go take a nap so kind of trying to decide through that every day is, is uh, can be overwhelming at times but she's like I said before I mean if people know Maya she's She's been a huge help in my transition into motherhood, and she takes every day, and she attacks it with me, and she don't really complain. Like, she just goes with the flow, and she's starting to really understand and conceptualize, like, what's really going on, so I appreciate that about her. No, you do a fantastic job, and it's not easy. And I think a lot of people may not realize how tough it is for you guys just to to be athletes and to go through what you yeah. go through, and then to balance, you know, being a mother on top of that uh, is mm-hmm. amazing. And uh, you know, we've talked about it before, and Nia and I were talking about this just from a college perspective of of the regiments and the you know everything they got to go through as college athletes as well too. I mean, it mm-hmm. it is tough. It doesn't matter if it's college or pro. I mean, it's. Uh, it's quite a challenge that you guys have. There's, there's no doubt. So right. keep, keep it up, uh, Dierica. You're doing a fantastic you. job. So you mentioned about not being able to play overseas this year because of the injury. Um, were you planning on doing that? Were you okay with actually not? Because I would think, especially with Maya and everything, you, hey, you'd like to yeah. be home and get ready for the WNBA season. Right. But as we know, it's hard to pass up that, that money as well, too. So talk a little um, bit about that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, so initially I had planned not to go anyways, uh, but, you know, there are were opportunities that would have presented themselves after Christmas or, you know, or like to go play for two months here or there. Uh, so depending on how if I was healthy and how I felt at the time, I would have considered those options. But, uh, yeah, initially I was planning on staying home just because she's, she's four now, but, you know, she'll start real school soon, and I wanted to be able to really get to spend some good time with her that I won't. I mean, as she gets older, you know, that time is a little, cut a little bit shorter. You mentioned in the WNBA there's 144 jobs available. When it comes to coming overseas, I mean, I would imagine that there's more jobs with all the different leagues, but I'm also sure that there's some leagues that are more presentable mm-hmm. or more attractive than others. So what is the pecking order if you were to go overseas? Where is the premier place to go? Uh, for me, I, I mean, if you, you guys know my personality about this point, it's like I do – what makes me happy you know i don't i don't chase money i don't chase like titles or so to say um so i go to the place that is going to suit me and my best because she's coming with me you know and, and there's places like china and russia where i don't necessarily want to take her um just because of the lifestyle and the weather so for me it's always been Go somewhere, yeah, you want good money, of course, but then also this lifestyle. And are they going to treat me like a human and a mom, uh, first and foremost? And there's teams and leagues that don't do that because they don't understand the importance of being a mom and a parent. And that's why I chose to go to Italy the three years I did while I had Amaya because, you know, there was days that she would wake up, she wouldn't, she wouldn't feel well, and she wouldn't want me to leave. And 
I was thankful, like uh, fortunate that I had a team and organization where I could say, hey, Amaya's not feeling well. And they'd say, hey, stay home with her. Like, that's first and foremost. So that was always the biggest thing for me. I mean, as she gets older, if I decide to go back overseas, that'll look a little bit different because she can kind of fend for herself (laughs) a little bit more now, you know, and she can talk and she can communicate what's going on. Um, But, yeah, that's always been a priority to me is what what does my situation look like with Amaya? A great perspective uh, to have. Dierka Hamby joins us. Sorry, Dierka. We'll uh, before we let you go, real quick. We know we're a couple weeks away from uh, opening day, and then of course, uh, you know, you guys will be here uh, the week afterwards. Uh, you guys will open on the road against Seattle for two games. Talk a little bit about uh, the expectations. We know that they're out there and everything, but just you know, give the fans a feeling of what this 2021 Las Vegas Aces team is going to look like. It's going to probably be a lot of a lot a lot of buckets. Um, I still think we're going to be a really good transition team. I mean, we've kind of been that in the past, and now we have probably the best transition point guard in the game right now. Probably like her along with Sloot. So I think adding that to our team is going to create a whole different look that we haven't necessarily experienced. Um, and then, like I said, just the versatility. Like I mean, I may be at the guard spot a little bit more this year. So seeing that big lineup. Maybe even with Angel, so it's like Angel, me, Liz, and Asia, and Chelsea. You know, that's wow. a huge lineup that a lot of people will not be able to guard. So um, I think they're still trying to figure it out because there's just so much you can do with this team and, you know, different positions. And, you know, like you can put Plum on and off ball. You can put Jackie on and off ball. Uh, so you got Raquana who can really create her own shot and a good isolation player. Um, so uh, either way, I think – be stay patient we're gonna figure it out um but yeah like i said i have no doubt that we have the best team right now all right you tell angel that uh she's gonna be next okay we'll we'll, ha- we'll have her <laughs> on well yeah she's gonna be our next guest we'll have her uh, back on we've had her on before last year but it was in the bubble as you remember hey also right. while i got nia uh, here how about some some words of wisdom for sure as she gets ready for another season of, of college basketball here at unlv yeah i mean Personally, just for me, like I said, TC and them know how I am. It's just for me, everything, like I just give it all I have. And so that would be my uh, motivational, I guess, speech. Just like don't take any possession off. Don't take any rep off um, because you just never know one when it's going to be the last. And I know for me it's like I stay true to who I am and the kind of player I am, and it's all kind of worked out how it should. so you'll just stay true to yourself and your game and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Great words of wisdom. D Erica Hamby. All right, D Energizer, we'll let you go. We'll look forward to seeing you real Thank soon. Thank you. All right. Good talking to you. You got it, girl. Take care. All right. There she is, D Erica Hamby, the two time reigning six woman of the year. The Las Vegas Aces a fantastic player. And uh, what I have always said about her, and the reason why I nicknamed her De-Energizer Bunny, because she doesn't take a possession off. She plays like no other. I mean, she plays end-to-end, 94 feet, and she gets the rebound, outlet pass. She will run the floor. She will end up uh, being the receiving end of a layup. Uh, She just goes nonstop. And every moment she's on the floor, she leaves it on the floor. And there aren't a lot of players that do that at the NBA level or the WNBA level or at any level for that matter. So she doesn't Randy Moss it? Not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. Uh, just fantastic uh, effort that she gives night in and night out. And that's, that's the reason. She's been the, the sixth woman of the year. Would she like to start? No question about it. But when you're on a team like the Aces that are so stacked, it's, it's hard. So what, you know, what's she going to do? She's going to give it all she got, and she will be that first person off the bench. And she's been rewarded. You know, for that, by her peers and and coaches in the in the NBA, WNBA, and uh, you know, given that award, it's uh, uh, pretty special. And she is definitely one of my f- my favorite players. Nia, when you when you heard that, what you what you get out of that? Um, it kind of reminded me of myself because I am like an energizer, and I don't like taking plays off, and I just like to give it all I got all the time. So, um, yeah, it just makes me feel like I can do it too, and you know, it's really. I like her positivity as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because the first person off the bench is, uh, on a successful team, 
just as important in a lot of instances as the starting five. Because when a team is up and you have a lead, you have to be that first person. You have to maintain that lead or maybe even try to build on it a little bit. If the team is down, you got to bring that energy and get them back in a game. So, that you know, when you're the sixth person of the year in any, you know, in a basketball team, whether it's NBA, WNBA, or anything else out there, it's an extremely important role because you've got to be on your best when the team is playing well because you don't want to let the other team creep back into it. And like I said, then you've got to give them the energy and come back if you are behind. So it's an incredibly important role because you're kind of like the leader of that second crew, but you're not really looked at as a second crew. You're just a starter that you don't start because there's only five people that can start at a time. Right. Yeah. No, it's a it's a role that a, a lot of people cannot thrive in, and there are people that that do like Dierica, and it's uh, it's something special. But I know you know fans get back to the Mandalay Bay the moment they see her check in. It just uh, it just uplifts everybody, and and again the energy that she brings, and that's it. That's why she's the de-energizer. She has that energy that just. Uh, just uh, makes fans fall in love with. And, and I'm sure that, you know, having Mia around, is a, it, it, it's that kind of thing with that unconditional love. If you're having a good day, it makes it a great day. Mm-hmm. If you're having a bad day, you look at that smile, she doesn't care that you missed a shot or that maybe you had a bad game or something like that. She's just happy to see you. So, you know, you find your inspiration where you can. Like she said, it can be exhausting, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. You try to make the best out of your situation, and she's certainly doing that. Oh, I'm not a starter? Well, then I'm going to be the best damn bench player in the league right. and that's what she is and her daughter i think will be five uh, this year and just being around the team as well too it just up uplifts uh, their teammates as well too when when she comes around practices and and she's there i mean it's just uh yeah and, and remember the story and we talked about it last year where she was kind of like the star of the the bubble there you know last year as well too because everyone was just you know falling in love with her and next thing you know she's on social media and everywhere and that sort of thing but uh, yeah, very difficult to balance motherhood and a professional career. And you can speak about this just being a college athlete of the time that you have to put into this. It's it's insane. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a lot, especially being a student athlete and you know always you know having to do something. Um, but it's very, like you said, it's very rewarding. You know, once you get through it so yeah gotta put the work in right yeah gotta put the work in and it's the feeling of accomplishment when you do do it and you do it right exactly all right appreciate d erica hamby joining us las vegas aces all right when we come back we talk derby quite a finish of the kentucky derby on saturday marco d'angelo will join us plus we got some more nfl draft talk and a whole lot more coming your way on this monday tc martin ballpark frank with you